Hello and welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast, another exciting instalment in the continuing Ian's Guide to Game Design. <laughs> Rapidly um, expanding. How are you, Seb? Seems. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing great. Wow, it's been a while. Yeah, sorry, I'm Ian Lobb. Oh yes, I'm Seb Lee Delisle. And um, yeah, so this week we're talking all about music and audio in game design. So... My general tips from my uh, presentation were to use music sparingly, so i.e. not just stick down a drum and bass beat across your entire game um, because it loses all of the impact. Um, If you have bits with no music and then you have some music happen at a key moment, that's much more powerful um, than just having music all the time. Hmm. It's kind of depending on the style of game though, surely, right? It sounds like you're talking about games with a sort of narrative sort of a you know in quotes adventure style game no yeah maybe but then it could also apply to something like if you're making a match three game right you could use you could use musical motifs for key moments like as when you set for as like a victory sound and things like that Mm. rather than just having a constant like soundtrack because also looping looping short looping soundtracks can be really annoying as well yeah right like they were great in arcade games but you only played arcade games for short periods of time what what great arcade game music do you like um pac-man had good music didn't it no did it no i didn't know it just went yeah it's like a motif yeah um, what was did Space Invaders have music? No, it just went. So sort of like Jaws, Tetris, it, Tetris had music. Mario Brothers. That's a good all over the place, that one. So, I mean, so all these games have... There's a few there that you've just mentioned that have music all the way through that are really yeah, those good. Are, those are quite old games. It's quite though. a retro thing, isn't those it? Are, that is, it? I think it is a retro thing to just yeah. have a constant music loop. But the mo- modern games are much more likely to, to use it at key moments and then yes. have other bits. I mean, a game that has really great music is Fez. Music's done by a, a composer called Disaster Piece. Mm-hmm. And he wrote some amazing music for it. But you don't get that music all the time. Like, you have one piece that plays only when you enter this certain location. Um, and one play- piece that plays only at night. So, and there's all these different things. So, it can be really, I think it's a really interesting challenge to do that with music because it's almost like you're producing a, a musical score live. Yeah. I mean, obviously, mm. with a movie, you it's completely predetermined right and the composers carefully craft the music the dynamics of the music to change with the action but when the action is almost infinite in terms of its variety then you have to i think there's some very clever systems there for mixing Mm. bits of music together. yeah well i mean uh with fez disaster piece was really involved with actually the programming of it and and the music is put together from different parts as you play it yeah, and if so, you think about how you'd program something like that, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about sound effects, but it's kind of similar to that in that, you know, if you think about a standard, 
a view if you think of if you think of the sound as a view which is kind of non-intuitive but if you're thinking <laughs> about view as in model view controller type yeah. programming that definition of view like you've got one view that is the graphics and the output but actually the music is so separate from the graphics and the sound effects that it's mm. almost like a separate view that requires its own logic and programming mm. yeah but, totally here's a really simple example to illustrate this in terms of music i made a uh which was it a puzzle bubble clone you know puzzle bubble mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what did they call it buster move buster move yeah yeah uh it was for it was for nev on you know on bbc what was the kids bbc show nev the bear and it was like a kids saturday morning show smile i think it was mm-hmm. and so it had this kind of catchy music that my brother composed. So the game was called Nev's Jam Buster and the music was quite inspired by Gotan Project. And I think World of Goo or Tower of Goo had come out at the time. It had similar sort of music with accordions and stuff. And in fact, actually, I think I can find it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. So is this music? Oh, this is quite fun. I'm playing this. Oh, what a great game. <laughs> Loads of sound, splatty sound effects. But when it gets like really in jeopardy, the music speeds up. Here we are. Let's see if we can do it. Come on. Are you actually increase the tempo. Yeah. I see. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything explodes. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was surprisingly difficult to do, actually. <laughs> to, to beat match. Yeah, because, well, actually, you know what? I thought it would be hard, but I've, uh, it, when it came to it, it was actually a little easier than I expected. So what I had was a version of the music like normal, and then yep. a version of the music that I'd sped up, yep. right? but without pitch shifting, time stretched. Yep. Um, and it was interesting. So... I'd know where I was in the long version of the music proportionally to the length of the track. And I'd have to jump to that same version in the fast version of the track. So it was like half the, half the number of milliseconds or samples along. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So it actually wasn't that hard in the end. I thought it would be harder. It seemed to work pretty smoothly. Yeah. There's a lot of things have a problem with, well, flash was really bad at this of like letting you know how far through an audio track you were and things like that hmm. like looping looping and syncing video and audio stuff is always really difficult yeah you know what i wonder if that was an issue i'm just trying to remember how i did it now i can't remember there were some weird events weren't there some weird sample events mm. but they oh, were very unreliable if very, I remember yeah, rightly. it's all a blur um okay so my next point was use music to convey meaning which i guess is what we were talking about as well it's like if you've got, a, you know, if there's a happy, if there's an, if there's emotional moments in your game, like a sad moment, play some sad music. Mm. If there's happy moments, play happy music. If if you've, if the person was successful, play, a, you know, a well done sound. If they were, if they lose, play a wah wah type sound. You know, <laughs> just use the music to have several bits of music, and they can be quite short, but just put them in the appropriate places in the game so like stings well exactly yeah but i mean or or like you're saying there where it's like when the game becomes more manic you go to a faster version of the music that 
is more manic, right? Yeah. So it's like you're you're matching the 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 sort of emotional feeling of the music to how the player is feeling at that time when they're playing. Mm. And yeah, then, there's there was often what, what I'd have to do was have an introduction to the music and then have the music on a loop, right? So mm. you have to craft that slightly carefully. And then yeah, I, I mean, you'd have to have an ending that doing sort of anywhere doing music procedurally just has its own set of things doesn't it because yeah, yeah exactly you don't want to start from the loop you want to have something that gets you into the loop and then you have the mm. loop and then sometimes you want to have something that then gets you down sm- smoothly out of the loop or transitions to a different loop yeah it's surprisingly um, complex really yeah i mean a lot of times you can just crossfade things and it sounds all right fade one in fade one out it if depends it's like an, if it's an, like an orchestral score yeah. then there's unlikely to be any sort of strong rhythm there isn't there so you can get yeah. away with a lot more yeah it's quite complete. good you know it's been quite useful to me obviously i've got a musical background so i find that that really helps when i when it comes right. to does this does this bother you seb tv editors when they're using licensed music i.e like pop songs yeah and things like that they will they will hack the bits out of them out of the songs they will like cut the chorus half short. They'll like repeat a bit of the same bit of the verse three times. And I, oh, I hate, I hate having, I hate it when I hear a bit of audio that's a, like a song that's been just cut to piece, like hacked to pieces by some editor. I think if you if you notice it, then it's yeah. If you notice it, then it's a sign that it's been done not particularly well. You know, I edit bits of music all the time, and I can't really think why. Like on the X Factor, they do it where yeah. they'll get to the oh, chorus yeah. of the song and then, or they'll or they'll miss out the bridge and they'll go straight from the verse to the. Or, and like what? I'm sure that's not how that song goes. Yeah, it really bugs me. Well, X Factor is always like a two minute version of that's the song, isn't it? It's like three yeah. minutes. Oh yeah, our audience is going to get bored. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's less than two it's minutes. One and it's a like half a, minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you know they're in real trouble on X Factor when someone does a medley, <laughs> like they do two. They start on one song and they go into a different song. It's because they realise that they chose the something really boring. The first song was good enough. The yeah. first song was really boring. So it's like that, if it's not good enough, then let's just change it. So at least they won't be bored. Yeah. So you get one minute of one boring song and then another two minute me- of another boring one song. mediocre song plus one mediocre song <laughs> equals. One brilliant, no, one longer mediocre song. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, nice job. That X Factor and stuff, it's interesting because what I think one thing it shows is that sometimes it's hard to pin down the magic of a record, right? Yes. And so you go, you think of a record, right? Like the kids in America or whatever. And yeah. you go, it's really good. And then you do a cover version of it or a karaoke version. And you go, do you and know what? Rubbish. This isn't, it's rubbish. This is doesn't, yeah. this isn't making me feel anything. And you just realise that it's such a, uh, an inexact there's no science to it it's, it's intangible it's yeah. yeah and in my recording experience you know you can go into a studio and record play the song record it and if you're lucky it kind of comes alive in the mix sometimes mm. it just doesn't yeah and you could go into the same studio and do exactly the same thing and it could just there'd be a slightly different energy some you know and it could just be work brilliantly and it's sort of really strange and terrifying that you can't really always figure it sometimes it's sometimes it's actually in the imperfections in the playing that the magic lies you know if it's too robotic then it there's no Mm. there's no heart there so yeah very interesting same with vocal performances Yeah, yeah it's very intangible 
Yeah. And the, the next one uh, on my list was um, create musical themes. So basically tie a particular melody um, to a particular character or place or something. So then when, when this particular character appears in the game or when this um, but you go to this particular location, have a bit of audio that you only get at that point. Yeah. Um, and that so- really like it marries the two things together basically it's what i'm interested in obviously because i've got musical experience and you know if i was working on a big project i'd work with the composer very closely to make sure that i could get all this to work but what what about if you're not musical and you don't have any money what would you how do you do it like if you're making an indie game where do you get the music from how do you do all these things how do you get the how do you develop those skills that you need well, I mean, you either buy some royalty-free music and then you're just trying to use your good taste because most royalty-free music's not that good. So yeah. you have to use your good taste and find bits that are good, mm. um, you know. And but, Or you could try and learn composing, but that's not easy. Yeah, but, you, you know, famous example, well, not famous, but an example that every listener of this podcast will be aware of is the music on our podcast. Yeah. Which, which you made. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you say that I made it, but I assembled it from different samples, right. From various, so you can get CDs or packs or whatever, download yeah. packs probably now full of samples, like hundreds and thousands of samples, guitar parts, beats, different yeah. sections. Most of it's, a lot of it's in the same key. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can just mash it all up together and it sounds fine. But how did you, I mean, actually you're, you're, you're playing it down, but what you're describing is making music in, in this day and age, right? That's um, how, that's how artists do it. Yeah. But they can also play the but keyboards. Lots of them can't. <laughs> so how did you learn to do that? Is that something you've done a lot of? Is that just something? Yeah. I mean, I started doing that when I was like soon as i had a computer that could do this stuff like there was a thing right. called acid music yes. which let you chop up loops and stick them together and that's cool i mean on acid music i used to like re- do things like record guitar parts and then just mix them with do you play guitar not very well <laughs> I, I don't really play anymore no it wouldn't be fair to say that i play anymore but i used to but that's the point though isn't it you don't really need to be able to play that well you only need to be able to play something well or good enough like once yeah an eight second loop that's all you need to get you could play you could jam for you could jam for ages and if you accidentally come up with one little (laughs) riff that sounds all right you can just chop that one out and that's the one you use so that's interesting and i think that's that's hopefully inspiring to people is that you can be quite a terrible musician (laughs) in terms of your playing skill and and yet produce pretty good music right yeah yeah, I mean, taking on making an indie game is a big thing in itself. And so, like, if you're going, oh, and I'm also going to do all the music, I think that just adds another... <laughs> like, I know some developers do that, and I just think that adds another dimension of craziness to it. I would so do that. Sure, I mean, sure, because it's, like, it's an important creative part of the thing. And if you have those yeah. skills, then why wouldn't you want to have the put your creative input into that part as well? Although, you know, for some of my big projects... I don't, I don't write the music, you know, if I haven't, for any, all my installations, I haven't really written any music or used my own music. Because you're too busy doing all the other parts of it? Yes and no. I'm wondering if I had the time for something like Pixel Pyros, 
or another one of the sort of lasery interactive things that I do, um, I, I kind of, if I had loads of time, I'd maybe think about it, but actually I quite like finding music. I quite like that curation process, choosing mm. music that's, yeah. The I thing think, is that you can maybe choose music that you wouldn't be able to compose yourself or you wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah. That's the thing. If you don't tie yourself to making the music yourself, you can try out a hundred different bits of royalty-free music or whatever against a a particular bit of your, whatever you're making Mm. to see which one works. But then I suppose on the flip side of that, there's, there's, uh, you know, the artist animator, uh, Syriac Harris. Mm-hmm. It's very famous on YouTube, just yep. amazingly surreal videos. Brilliant. And he writes all the music for those. Mm. Unless he's been commissioned to do a video for someone, he will write the music. And it's really quirky and really weird and brilliant. And it really fits with the animation. And I think I've, I've met him a few times, not for a while now, but I, I've, I seem to remember him saying that the two kind of come together at once. So it's not right. like he'll do the animation and then the music. He'll do a bit of animation and a bit of music and the sort of process grows together mm. and no, there's no other way for him to produce. No, it's interesting. Isn't work it? like that otherwise. So yeah, mm. very interesting anyway. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that, that actually, actually <laughs> blends quite well to the next topic, which was sound effects. And just that like, so something like, um, you know, Mario hitting his head on the, on the block. Yeah. Right. When he jumps, although apparently he's not hitting his head, he's punching it. Oh really? Arm up. Yeah, but I was always seeing his head. I think he's everyone thinks the that block. he's wow. actually holding his arm at head level to like go boom, give it a little punch. Yeah, you don't read that. He do doesn't you read at that all, at all, no. <laughs> but um, you can't you can't extract the that action from that sound. They're like so yeah married to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that boing or whatever it is that. Yeah, um, you, you've got this bullet point on this slide. I don't understand. Right? Oh, is that where it says use diegetic and non-diegetic sounds? What's that? God, so you're basically, so academic di- sometimes. Diegesis is just means storytelling, right? And so it. Oh that- God! What? <laughs> it, diege- diegetic? Is it diegetic? Yeah. So diegetic things. I can't remember which way around it goes, but basically, diegetic things are from within the story world. And yeah. then non-diegetic things are like part of the storytelling, basically. So, right. so some, for example, the difference between uh, the sound of the synchronized sound of a toaster popping out some toast, mm. right, versus uh, a bit of sad music played over the top of it, right. One of right. them is supposed to be literally happening as part of the action, and the other one yeah. is just are a there, bit of storytelling. Are there any sound effects that? would not literally be there. I guess I'm thinking about stuff like when someone has an idea and like a bell sounds. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it tends to be for sound effects, like in games and cartoons, you would have ones like a ding sound when you have yeah. an idea. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly the sort of thing. And uh, a bling, bling when you pick up a, a mushroom or whatever. Yes. It's like you're not supposed to literally believe that that's gone bling, bling. It's like, no. Or when Zel- uh, when Link that's, gets... That's to make your game-playing experience more satisfying, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's part of the process of making the game fun, basically. Mm. It's rewarding the the player with 
some nice, pleasing sounds. Um, yeah. Another... Which leads to your third bullet point, which yeah, is exactly. sound as a reward. Yeah, absolutely. So just use it as part of the the audiovisual feedback of part of the what makes the game feel nice, basically. Yeah, which is what we talked about in the other section, wasn't it? About like having particles everywhere to make you yeah. feel happy. Yeah, exactly. It's part. So this of... is the audio version of the particle. Do they still call it juiciness in games? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so audio juice is a really big, important part of the juice, the juicing <laughs> process. Um, and then a really just a, a practical point is to have lots of variations of repeated sounds. So yep. if, like, if you've got a jump sound, you want to have like five variations. You don't just want to have one jump sound because it will become super annoying super quickly. Okay, so would you, I think with jumping... What what is a jump sound? I mean, I suppose in a retro term, it'd be like boink. <laughs> well, you could have a non-diegetic jump sound, which would be like a boink. But then and you could a... have a diegetic one, which would just be like the sound of footsteps or whatever. Right. So footsteps are a really good way to demonstrate what you're talking about, is is aren't they? Because mm. I've done a lot of footsteps in games. Actually. Right. <laughs> uh, and... It can be super annoying, right? Yeah. So let's imagine you've got one footstep sound. It would just be like, and it sounds, it's got, it's got that sound. Like if you think about when they first invented samplers (laughs) and imagine the song 19 by Paul Hardcastle. (laughs) 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 It's like that. It's like a machine gun almost, isn't it? It's the same Mm. exact sound. Even, I mean, with footsteps at a bare minimum, you need two, right? So you've got TikTok sort of effect but even then what i would find with footsteps is you wouldn't really have a tiktok you just have lots of slightly different variations on exactly the same like so if you were stepping on gravel you'd try and find a sound effect of someone actually stepping on gravel and every single footstep would be just a tiny bit different mm. even if they were similar they'd be tiny tiny bits different slightly yep. different pitch slightly different noise and without so i'd have like six footstep sounds for each surface Mm. so for a platform game that i made he'd be running along girders so you'd want sort of metallic footsteps yeah for every single type of footstep i'd have i think six different sounds some i think i'd actually run them through on a loop although you have to be a bit careful because you can start to recognize the order so you might want to i think you could randomise each footstep. But yeah, then the problem with that is if you if you them. if you got two the same in a row, that's that would it, yeah. sound weird as that's well. That's exactly it. So I'd I'd randomise them, but if but I'd just make sure I didn't do the same one twice. Yeah. And so this is what I was talking about before, is the sound being a completely different view with its own logic and its own mm. its own kind of algorithms. Yeah, completely. The sound is is really you know, I take You've got, you've got to allow a ton of time for sound, really. Totally, yeah. I mean, and even though it's probably the area where there is the most, there is the most scope for sort of finding existing assets, mm. right? Like, yeah. not everyone has to record their own sounds, but it still is a lot of work to choose the right sounds and get them synchronized in the right way. Yeah, and there's so much. You know, I really draw on my experience with recording and engineering music and sound effects because I, I did a, a stint as a sound designer in theatres a long long time ago and just that was that skill... off, off, off to the side of the stage with some coconuts <laughs> no no not, not, not like live foley right, um, okay. but you know I'd, 
it would all be on well back then god i'm so old but it was on <laughs> uh, back then it was tape to tape right it was right. on reel to reel uh they called the common machine in theaters was a, a brand called revox so right. you'd always say a revox and you'd actually have to splice a little bit of clear tape in between the effects so the tape would stop and be queued up for the next sound right. honestly just call me grandpa um <laughs> but you know i draw on those experiences when I'm even when I'm getting, you know, and often I would just buy a load of sound effects from Sound Dogs. I think it was at the, you know ten years ago when I was doing mm-hmm. it. I'd just buy all of the sound effects, but even then you've got to edit them, you've got to chop them up. Sometimes they need compression, EQ. You might want to put more reverb on it. So, I mean, I I really did benefit from the experience that I had with sound design. Mm. And yeah. I think if you're going to be an indie developer, you sort of almost need to. You need to get those skills for yourself, don't you? Yeah, I mean, well, you have to give yourself a crash course, I guess, if you yeah. haven't already had. Well, I mean, I that's guess- that's why I think it's, you know, I've been very lucky in my career to have been able to have a go at loads of different stuff. Mm. Like have a go at being a video editor, have a go at being a someone who makes the music for games and all these sorts of things, even though yeah. I didn't, you know, maybe not especially talented at any of those things like you learn the if you learn these techniques like they become useful for like an overall holistic understanding i guess of media in general right absolutely um but some people probably don't care about that some people probably just want to program but for me like it's much more interesting if you can understand like an audio visual artwork as like a a whole yeah i think it's critical if you want to be if you want to be at all creative, you know, you've got to understand, properly understand the media, the medium or the me- the different media it's that different are involved. Different media, yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're happy to just go to a big shop and just do the coding, well, even then you're just going to have people who do understand the, the various different media just like on your back all the time to getting you to try and fix it. Yeah, things. but then that's one of the problems though, isn't it? Where if you, if you want to be one of these general people... Yeah, they try and get you away. Then and it's like, oh no, you're not allowed to program anymore because you're yeah. a creative person now. Sorry. Yeah. And well, so that, that's why. Tricky. That's why you. I suppose there's different types of people, aren't there? But I think even if you just decide to be a programmer in a big studio, you've got to at least have a basic. If you can at least recognize what makes sound good, even if you don't know how to produce it, if you can recognize it in the same things. As, as what you were saying with animation and all of the things that we've talked about in the game design, mm. you've got to be able to recognize when it works because otherwise you won't be able to program it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But then, yeah. you know, on this sort of subject, on one hand, I think if you did want to be an indie developer or someone who'd produce this stuff in a very small or single person team, on one hand, it's utterly daunting all the different things that you have to be good at. But on the other hand, we're we're living in a an amazing time <laughs> where mm. you can have like an incredible professional recording studio on your laptop, right? Yeah. You know, and if I think about when I was in a band, we had to pay two hundred pounds a day for a crappy studio with yeah. a sixteen track you know, sixteen tracks of recording onto ADATs, synced ADATs, which means actually it was only fourteen tracks. So we need two of the tracks to sync. Right. <laughs> you know? And limited outboard. I think we had like two 
effects units and maybe a couple of compressors. <laughs> you know, I've got a vastly superior recording studio in my laptop now than I did mm. then. Yeah. And so, you know, it's also accessible now. We can we got the tools at our fingertips to be able to Yeah. Do this. I mean, it's a different set of problems now, isn't it? The problem <laughs> yes. the problem with making media in the past used to be the equipment was really expensive and mm. you had to do huge apprenticeships to get access to anything. Like if you wanted to be a filmmaker, you had to, you know, load film stock into a camera <laughs> for like years and years on the set of movies in the, you know, 6am or whatever. Yeah. Whereas now it's just like, it's a different set of problems. You've got all of the technology exists and it's totally accessible. You just need you know, the skills. You just need the skills and you need to the be able but also you need to know what to make and you need to make things because there's never been more things available mm. to watch and to play. And so you need to know, well, what game can I make or what movie yeah. can I make that people will actually care about? Like, yes. how can I make a game that isn't just another game? Like that people will go, oh, I've seen that. It's a bit like the other game. You know, how can you make <laughs> something where people, it actually piques people's interest enough that they go, Oh, that's cool. That looks amazing. Yeah. Hard one. Well, I think for people that like me and presumably you who love making stuff and want to do all this stuff, you know, and are going to just apply themselves to making stuff and finishing it, then it's brilliant, right? Mm. Yes. Yep. It's definitely Sorry. better than the reverse problem. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Cause I lived, I, <laughs> I lived through it, you know, I, yeah. when I was 14, I wanted to record all the parts to a song. I'd end up with two cassette recorders just bouncing from one <laughs> to the other and layering it up. It's like, and I would do that cause I had no choice. Yeah. I, I, if you'd have given me garage band, then I would have just, I would have had an amazing time. Yeah. I mean, so I, this is, this, the last slide is sort of a bit of an anti-climax after that more oh. general discussion we had, but yeah. basically the idea of a sound envelope, mm. um, which is basically like a sound has an attack, a decay, a sustain, and a release. Um, ADSR. Is that what, is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, it's a, an acronym, yeah. Right, so, I mean, and the, just the, the most important, if you remember one thing, the most important thing for game sound effects is that the attack is really fast and happens right at the start of the audio sample. So you have to make sure that you've trimmed off any, because sometimes if you get a stock sound effect, it'll have a bit of silence at the start. If oh, you yeah. put that in your game, what you'll have is out of sync audio. <laughs> So you just need to get in there, trim the attack right down so that it happens as soon as you need it to, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a slightly different thing from attack, isn't it? I mean, there's often just... this. What you're talking about is just getting rid of the dead air at the beginning. Oh, you need to and do that, really but, then, but then sounds also do need, do need to have a fast attack for the same yeah. reason. So if it's yeah. like a laser gun sound, you can't have a big... Yeah, Because yeah. it has to be right away. It has to, it has be, to be immediate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You really do... Because otherwise, it just—it's got a tie. It's got to connect to that—that that visual. I think our brains are very good yeah. at connecting sound to visions, aren't? aren't yeah. Aren't Although I'm quite—I'm not that perceptive at things falling out of sync. Really? Other people, like, or, so it, or at least it, it doesn't that. bother me as much. So, like Netflix goes out of sync quite a lot. Yeah. And Amanda notices right away. She's like, "Oh, that's out of sync." And I'm like, "Is it?" I just, or maybe I just don't care. It's like if it's if something's. <laughs> you know half a second or no not it's not we're talking like 
a milli a few milliseconds out of sync. Yeah. I'm not that bothered. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. It really bothers me. And actually <laughs> it's it's really interesting because now let's think. Now if you see the action and then the sound is a microsecond later, that is mm. infinitely more noticeable than the other way around. But that's the way it would happen in real life. Yeah. Because sound moves slower. So you mm. should actually be more used to hearing mm. things slightly after you see them. Yeah. I don't certainly notice when I'm doing video editing and stuff. But it's interesting if you're doing video, right. You know, the, the thing that you might've done at school where you go across the school field and you fire the starting pistol at the same yeah. time as waving the flag, right? Yeah. So that yeah. you can observe the, how, yeah. s how slow sound moves. If you were syncing that, if you were editing a video and syncing that, you'd actually sync them up. Yeah. Even though it's wrong. Yeah. Right. Because it's, that would be the intuitive yeah. understanding of it. I guess we're used, to, we're used to that as well, aren't we? Mm. And, and I think often, like, you'll see, again, we're talking about, like, film and TV tropes where, you know, you'll have a really long shot, like, say, a couple of people walking down the road having a chat, and we'll be on quite a long lens far away, and you'll see them in the distance. <laughs> yeah. But the sound will be close mics, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's an idea in just generally in like film theory and stuff but also it's in unity as well of an audio listener <laughs> so like where right. is the listener and it's not necessarily the same place as the camera so in yeah. unity you can drop your audio listener on your character or you can drop it on the camera and you have to decide which is more appropriate i suppose it's really interesting isn't it all these little techniques which which come from media which come from film and tv mm. that we're having to learn and recognize yeah well some of them apply and some of them don't, if that makes okay, sense. What, what don't apply? Some things from cinema just don't apply. Like, well, you know, cinema is edited. Yeah. That's one of the most important things about it, right? Yes. Whereas a game is one continuous take. Yes. Right. And that, but then that it's, just it's that creates <laughs> such a huge difference in like how those two mediums work. Yeah. Media so, work. Yeah. I never know what the plural is. Um, <laughs> so, but then... Editing doesn't make any sense for an interactive medium, does it? No. No. Editing like only makes sense for a linear storytelling yes. medium. Yeah, completely. But then so why do games keep thinking they have to go to edited cutscenes? I honestly don't know. They, they, I've never seen one that works. <laughs> it always feels just wrong, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I really don't like them. I think the so game should jarring. be games. Just tell the story... Like, if you tell a story through the actual game, it's so much better and so much more interesting than if you just go to a linear cutscene. Isn't it interesting how um, games like Limbo and what's their new one that looks really beautiful? I think it's called Inside. Yeah, and it's um, they use the medium in a really good way to tell the story and to mm. convey the emotion. Mm. So rather than relying on film tropes and techniques to to get emotion across and atmosphere they're actually using the medium itself to do that the animation and atmosphere and sound and it's yeah. it's vastly more if effective isn't it at, at getting you to be emotionally engaged with the experience yeah um i mean people have talked before about um I was chatting to a guy who works for Edge magazine and I, I, sorry, I forget the guy's name, but he, he used to be really into theater. 
and yeah. he's now writes about video games. But he he just was saying that like the he finds theatre to be more similar to games than like movies are hmm. because theatre is one continuous take, right? Like yeah. the play is in the same way that a game is, and you can't edit a th- a play, right? <laughs> just like you can't edit a game, right? So if two if two characters are talking to each other in like a in a Call of Duty game or whatever, it's much more like a play than it's like a scene from a movie if, while it's interactive. And mm-hmm. the other thing is that a game is like performed by yeah. the player. But so in a way, it's like doing a bit of improvisational theatre where you are you're one of the actors effectively, aren't you? Yeah, but this is this is really interesting because when film first was invented you'd see a stage kind of set and actors doing their thing so they basically yeah. taken how it worked in a theater and put it into film and film yeah. only got any good when they realized that they could do things with the medium that were specific and only would work on that medium things like editing and all these things that we've been talking about yeah was it eisenstein framing. eisenstein was it who invented know, editing sounds very academic and interesting i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Um, eisenstein he created the idea of montage which is basically combining editing some images together to tell a new unique story that comes from the 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 juxtaposition of the two shots next to each other right okay yeah so and and is it interesting that perhaps if they jumped like say if someone back then at the birth of film had seen a modern movie they probably would be overwhelmed and wouldn't really understand it because they that's a bit like me watching a movie (laughs) like because like me watching a movie now because the movies are edited so weird now (laughs) right yeah but imagine what it's like if you don't understand all those things about editing and and all this sort of language of filmmaking that we've been discussing that's evolved over time and we've evolved as film watchers to understand it and Mm. recognize it and just it's exactly the same with games so when we finally got to the stage where we could have these massive games with scenes and characters and dialogue and we, of course we just fell back to movie cut sequences and all those things <laughs> and we put them into games so that's because yeah. we didn't we hadn't yet got the the language of games we hadn't figured out how to do that in a way that was natural to games in the same way that filmmakers didn't at the beginning of film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, now we've we'll get... got the exact same thing with VR, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. Because a VR game can't be like a, a normal game, even yeah. a first-person game, because, you know, there's things like walking around. It's not very good. <laughs> right? Yeah, it but makes you sick. Like, yeah, but like theatre works. Like you can't walk around the theatre either, but like it still works as a media. And I'm you already just... <laughs> seeing it with, with VR and like 360 film. Like, Do you remember there's a... I think there was a... Um, best practice video on youtube about 360 film saying oh you can't do cuts you can't do zooms you can't do and of course now people are starting to figure out how to do cuts and edits and things like that so it's sort Mm. of yeah we're evolving together really interesting okay so that's the end of audio coming up next time we're going to have the triforce of story world where we're going to talk about all about stories and how they work oh in, in the trilogy of five parts. Yes. <laughs> or <laughs> more, who knows? Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. You Thanks can get us lot, on Twitter, guys. cc underscore pod. Uh, find us on the internet, ccpod.co. If you like the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. 
patreon.com forward slash creative coding. We very much appreciate your support there. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Thanks, guys and girls. Bye bye.